This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of Mac's List. Do you know someone who has the perfect job and is getting well paid too? It might seem that this happened by a stroke of luck. In fact, it has nothing to do with chance. People with dream jobs have clear goals and plans to accomplish them. And when you find that job or career, it feels so right, it's like you were born to do it. But to get there, you must first choose among what can seem like an overwhelming menu of career options. This week on Find Your Dream Job, we're talking about how to find the work you were meant to do. Ben Forsag has a free online test that can help you get clear about your goals and your strengths. Jenna Forstrom has a question from a listener who wants to start a business one day but wonders how candid she should be with employers about this. And I talk to Chris Gillibo, author of the new book, Born for This, How to Find the Work You Were Meant to Do. Our show is brought to you by our book, Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. To learn more about the updated edition that we published on February 1st, go to maxlist.org slash book. Well, hey, we're excited to have Jenna Forstrom, our new community manager, join us here in the MaxList studio. Jenna, welcome aboard. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's terrific to have you. And uh, not only on the podcast, but I know listeners uh, who go to the website will be seeing you on the blog and people here in Oregon will be seeing you at community events. I got to ask, Jenna, because I know our listeners are curious, why did you want to work at MaxList? Well, I started to want to work at Mark's List uh, a couple years ago when I was looking for a job and my friends recommended it as a resource and I've been using it for the last couple of years doing freelance work and applying for jobs and it's just a really great website and resource and I think that it's amazing because of the people behind it that put in all the love and passion. So just uh, when you and me were speaking about the opportunity, it just seemed like a natural place for me to show up, and I want to help make it great, too. It's a pleasure to have you here, and you bring to the job so many great skills and experiences, but I think you really put your finger on it. It's the fact that you're part of the MaxList community that I think is a very special asset. So welcome to the studio, and welcome to the show, and uh, we look forward to working with you in the months ahead. I also want to say thank you to the four career experts who filled in as our special co-hosts during the last two months. Uh, those people are Aubrey DeClerc, Don Rasmussen, Jenny Foss, and Michelle Hines. All four are nationally recognized experts, and they are very busy people. I'm grateful to each of them for making the time to join us on one or more of the last seven episodes to answer questions from you, our, our listeners. If you haven't done so, please check out the websites of these exceptional people, and we'll be sure to include links to their pages in the show notes. Hey, Mac. Ben here. Hey, Ben. How are you? I'm doing great. So, you know, one of our most popular episodes on the podcast was Aubrey DeClerc on how listeners can get clear about what they want from work. You know, Aubrey has been a frequent guest on the podcast, and she was also a contributor to our book. Yes, she was. And her podcast actually is our second most popular episode. The topic you may recall, Ben, was how to get clear about what you want. This is a topic that comes up a lot uh, when we talk to, to listeners People who do dive into our book will find a couple of key topics that can help. There is information about how you can do the analytical work you need to do to be clear about goal setting. There's tools like Strength Finders and What Colors Your Parachute. Uh, there are also in the book tips about how to get to know yourself and, and your strengths and, and your challenges and tips about 
why you need to pay attention to your emotions and how to build a community. These are all things that can, again, help you get clear about what you want to do in your career. Jenna, Ben, when in your careers have you two felt like you were doing something that you were born to do? I think like a lot of people, there are days or periods in any job I've had where I felt like this is perfect. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm on top of this. I feel in control. The one experience where I felt like that was kind of always the case was way back in the beginning of my career when I worked as an outdoor education facilitator for a YMCA camp. And I put so much energy in respecting the traditions of that summer camp that it just felt like a very special place to be. And and I was really invested in the job. I've had that experience a number of times. I'm actually having it right now, running both Max List and Pritchard Communications. And throughout my career, I've really felt like I was doing my best work when the things that are expert this week will talk about joy, work and flow all lined up. In other words, there were uh, jobs I had where I, it was just a pleasure to go to work. And I had the skills and the, and the experiences that allowed me to to thrive in that position. And I just was experiencing what psychologists call flow, that state of mind where you kind of lose yourself in the, the tasks that you're involved in. And for me, in addition to the work I'm doing now, it, it it's happened on political campaigns. It happened uh, when I was working for a human rights organization uh, early in my career. And it's just a, it's a very pleasant state to be in. How about you, Jenna? When a job feels like it's a great fit and you were born for it, it's when it plays to your strengths. And so, like, uh, for me, that comes into to play because I feel like my strengths are being on the fly and being creative under pressure. So when I volunteer at Night Strike and, and we have bumps in the road, we can't find the keys to the trailer. That's where it's like I kind of step up and get animated and I'm like, OK, we're going to, like, problem solve this. And you guys go find the peanut butter and jelly and we'll just focus on that while the leadership figures out the solution like how do we get keys or how do we break the lock to get to into the trailer so just small problems that come up in hiccups is when like I feel like that's my strength and I think I learned that when I was a lifeguard when I was like 15 when it's you're managing a pool and something happens and you have to direct people into different locations to take care of an incident and Jenna do you want to talk a little bit about night strike and, and your work there Sure. Um, so on top of being a community manager here at Maxlist, um, I volunteer every Thursday night with a program called Night Strike, uh, which is an urban humanitarian group here in Portland. For those of you who don't know, but hopefully you are interested in moving to Portland or already live here, we have a huge homeless crisis. And so uh, we do immediate felt needs. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Let's move on to Ben, who every week brings us a resource that you all can use. And Ben, I know you've been looking diligently around the internet for the last seven days. What have you found? So in the past, we've talked about different ways uh, to help people get clear about what they want. Uh, You mentioned Aubrey's episode earlier, and I believe in that episode, my resource was uh, the Strengths Finder test, um, which is a book you can buy. One of the other well-known tests out there to help you find out what your natural strengths are or what your personality type is, is the Myers-Briggs personality test, also called the Myers-Briggs type indicator or MBTI. And so my resource this week is actually a free version of this test that you can do online, and it's available at www.16personalities.com. And that's 16 with one six, not written out like a word. Now, the name of this site actually comes from the MBTI itself, uh, which speculates that there are 16 basic personality types out there. 
So the science behind the MBTI is actually pretty old. Uh, it originally comes from the work of Carl Jung, uh, who was a psychoanalyst back at the turn of the century. And it stipulates basically that there are four general preferences that determine your personality type. And those are mind, how you interact with your environment. So that's whether you're an introvert or extrovert. Energy, which is where you direct your mental energy. Uh, and that basically is, are you guided by intuition or observation? Nature, how you make decisions and cope with emotions. In layman's terms, that's are you a thinking person or are you a feeling person? And then tactics, how you approach work planning and decision making. So are, are you a prospector or a judger? So this test is about 30 different questions and it presents a bunch of questions and you answer across a continuum of strongly agree to strongly disagree about whether the question pertains to you. And uh, it's a lot of interesting questions, questions that you might not ask yourself on a regular basis. And I wrote down a few of the ones that I really like, such as um, for you is being right more important than being cooperative when it comes to teamwork or do your dreams tend to focus on real world and its events or, as a parent, would you rather see your child grow up kind or grow up smart? And you have to pick one or the other here on a, on a spectrum. So I took the test. It takes about 12 minutes. And the result I got was that I am an INFP, which means I'm an introverted, intuition-feeling, prospecting person. What the MBTI test says is a mediator. So I'll be honest, this, this doesn't feel like me. I don't think that I'm introverted or a, a super-feeling person. What do you think, Mac? I actually, that sounds right to me, Ben. I know we've only worked together for seven months now, but uh, I, I see you as somebody who smooths the waters. Okay. So yeah. far be it from me to question an online personality test. <laughs> yeah. I took the test as well and got ENFP, which is extroverted intuition, feeling, pr and then prospecting. And I think that was a pretty good summary of me because I'm extremely outgoing. Yeah, I think the extroverted piece really speaks to you. But I think that it's great for our roles because we balance each other out. Yeah, and I think that brings up an interesting point here where there's no uh, kind of normative uh, stance on whether a personality type is good or bad. And I think most people who look at these things would say, for any organization, you need people who complement one another, right? So yeah. my introverted na uh, nature complements your extroverted nature and vice versa. But I think what this test really gets at is there are going to be certain types of roles or responsibilities or jobs that uh, your personality type is going to fit into, right? You might do better at an organization that's more hierarchical or one that has less, less organization around it, and you want to find a job that fits that type of personality. So the one real cool thing about this site is not only is it free, but it produces a really comprehensive write-up about each personality type and how that personality type might impact your life from relationships to parenthood to your career. It provides situations and strategies for specific roles that fit your personality type. And so definitely worth taking a look at. Probably spend an hour doing this, or you could spend just 12 minutes and get the, the baseline information. But real good site, real great resource. And again, the website is www.16personalities.com. That's 16personalities.com. Well, thank you, Ben. And if you have an idea for Ben, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email him. His address is ben at maxlist.org. Now it's time to hear from you, our listeners. Our community manager, Jenna Forstrom, joins us to answer one of your questions. Jenna, what do you hear from the community this week? This week, our question is, 
My ultimate career goal is to own my own business. I'm not ready to make that jump now, so I've been interviewing positions at established firms. Should I share this goal with prospective employers, or will this make me look like I'm not dedicated to the job? And I think that's a great question, and I think it also depends a lot on what kind of work you're looking for. We know that the typical job length is four and a half-ish years for any person, so Companies know when they hire people that they're probably not going to stay forever, but also they want to hire people that will last a little while, like a year or two. So if you're looking to start a job within the next six months to a year and you just want a job to pay your bills, pay rent, maybe not share that information. But I think if you're looking to really gain a lot of information and grow into an organization and then maybe take that as a springboard platform, sharing that with hiring manager or maybe once you've gotten the role, find a mentor who's maybe doing something on the side or something similar. I think that's super acceptable. Most organizations, I think when they make a hire, know that they're not hiring you for life and that uh, you have bigger aspirations at some point. And so I think it's fair to say, well, like down the road in five years, I was thinking maybe I'd like to start my own business to an employer. And I think that uh, actually can speak well to you as a candidate, saying that you have an entrepreneurial attitude, that you can take calculated risks, that you want to take responsibility on for things. So I think it's, again, it's all about timing. Are you looking to cover rent for the next year? Or yeah. is this? are you going into this opportunity at hand with really an intent to see through your commitments and, and honor those commitments and your bigger picture of creating your own businesses down the road someplace? Good advice. Uh, thank you, Jenna. And if you have a question for Jenna, you can email her. Her address is jenna at maxlist.org. These segments are sponsored by the 2016 edition of Land Your Dream Job in Portland and beyond. We've made our book even better. We've added new content, and now we're offering it in the format she told us you wanted. For the first time ever, you can find our book in a paperback edition or download it on your Kindle, Nook, or iPad. Our goal is the same, whatever the format, to give you the tools and tips you need to get meaningful work that makes a difference. For more information, visit maxlist.org book. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Chris Gillibo. Chris Gillibo is the New York Times bestselling author of The Happiness of Pursuit, The $100 Startup, and other books. During a lifetime of self-employment, he visited every country in the world, 193 in total, before his 35th birthday. Every summer in Portland, Oregon, he hosts the World Domination Summit, a gathering of creative, remarkable people. Chris, thanks for joining us. Hey, Mac. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. Now, Chris, you've written a book about startups. You put together an annual event I've called the World Domination Summit. I've attended, and, and people come out of that event, uh, inspired many of them to quit their jobs and work for themselves. Now you've written a book about job hunting and careers. Tell, tell us about that. Why, why this topic? Yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, the goal of the book is essentially to help people think entrepreneurially, uh, whether they want to be entrepreneurs or not. And so obviously from my background, like I've always been an entrepreneur. I was a terrible employee, you know, so I, I, my bias is, is to help people essentially kind of forge their own destiny, kind of forge their own path. But maybe I've learned a little bit along the way that, uh, you know, a lot of people can find the work they were meant to do, their dream job in a company or an organization. So for example, I talked, uh, I talked to a lot of people for this book, like I do for all my books. And uh, one person in particular, I talked to a woman who, uh, 20 years ago became the first female firefighter in Mississauga, Ontario. 
So I kind of told the story of all the challenges she had to overcome. And she's actually been in that job for more than 20 years now. Um, she believes it's the work she was meant to do. So this is a good, a good example of someone who, you know, if you want to be a firefighter, which is a very noble profession, saves lives, you know, does lots of good work, you can't just be an entrepreneurial firefighter, right? Like you have to go through the structure, you have to, to be a part of a team. Um, so I'm looking at people, uh, helping people find the work they're meant to do in whatever capacity that is. And it may even change over time, right? It may be you're working for yourself, you're working in a company, you're doing a little bit of both. It's all that. Now in reading the book, one of the points you made that struck me early on was that we're all asked, obviously, what we do for a living. And But you say the better question we should ask someone is, what led you to do what you do? Why do you think that's the better question, Chris? You know, I look at a lot of people who have been successful and they talk about this dream job concept, which I know you've done a lot of work with as well. And they use phrases like, I've won the career lottery. You know, I love my job. I would go to work even if I didn't get paid for it. But fortunately, I do get paid for it. And kind of what I saw in, in tracing back their history is most successful people, and again, success can be however you define it, but most successful people in careers, they actually haven't followed a very linear path. They actually didn't know necessarily, you know, when they were six years old, this is what they want to do with their life. And then they're going to go to college uh, along this trajectory. And then their first job and their second job is all leading to something. They've actually kind of gone down a bunch of different paths and they've usually even made some mistakes. They've made mistakes because they were willing to take risks and some things don't work out. So they kind of go back and they, they turn around and, and eventually they find this thing. Um, but the reason I look, for, I look at the whole process uh, is because it's not as simple as just saying, okay, here's what I want to do. I know what that is. Now I'm going to make that happen. I think there's always a process of discovery. There's always this process of exploration along the way. I think that's an important point to make because so many people that I chat with and my colleagues as well about careers, they, they think that if they try something and it's not quite what they expected, that that was a, a failure or a dead end. And, and I, the point you're making is that it's, it's an experience you can learn from and it helps you get closer to where you want to be. Let's talk about career success. And in, in your book, you say that we're taught these conventions, you actually call them scripts that about what conventional career success looks like. And these, these scripts are just plain wrong. What are these myths? And Chris, and, and why should people ignore them? You know, so I looked at a lot of, of, of wisdom that's traditionally accepted and kind of handed down. You, you might have touched on something just a moment ago when you said, you know, lots of people who are successful have actually kind of kind of turned back and been willing to do like a 180 and try something different. So this is this is contrary to the traditional American or at least Western manifest destiny. Never give up. You know, perseverance is the most important quality. Um, you know, a lot of successful people actually are willing to give up. And they're willing to give up, not, not on their dreams, not on their life vision, um, but on any particular strategy or expression and, or job, you know, or attempt at starting a business. You know, I t- talked, to, um, talked to this one guy, for example, who had started eight successful businesses in his life. And I asked him, it said, it said eight successful businesses on his bio. And so I said, were there any other businesses? And uh, it turned out he had a ninth business, which was actually the very first one. And the first one was was terribly unsuccessful. He had tried it for three years and it just wasn't working. So if you had gone to that guy in the beginning of his entrepreneurial career and said, never give up, you know, keep going, you must make this a success, that would have been the wrong advice for him. And the best advice was to kind of give up and turn around and, and start over. And then all these other things kind of came later. So I looked at that. I looked at a lot of different different things and tried to test them in, a, in like a real world model to say, okay, 
this is like, you know, the so-called wisdom of the ages, but does it actually work? Um, you know, how does that, how does that actually apply and, and what can we do to kind of, you know, increase the odds in our favor? One of your points is in the book is that there is one script that we should consider following, that there's more than one way to work. You just don't have to niche down or be a CEO or you only have one chance at a job. For example, if you, if you say no to this opportunity, you'll never have as good a one Again, talk to us, Chris, about about that script that you encourage people to follow, that there's more than one way to work. I think we put so much pressure on people, uh, especially young people, but but even people of all ages, really. You know, we have so much pressure that you're supposed to know like what your life purpose is at age 20 or when you choose what to study uh, or when you go into your first job or even later. It's like you're supposed to have this crystal ball. You have to make all these decisions with limited information. And so, you know, one of the things I, I kind of kind of saw was that when people think about work, when they think about making a change or a career, they always think in terms of profession and they think about being a web developer or a doctor or designer or whatever it is. And what I saw was actually just as important as the work itself was what I called working conditions. And so working conditions are things like how you like to spend your time and how much you like to work with other people versus work on your own. Um, how you're incentivized, how you're motivated, how you like to be rewarded. And if you can start to kind of understand this about yourself, um, you, can actually, you, can, you can actually make decisions um, a lot better. You may not have all the information, um, but it will actually help, kind of help you as you go forward. But again, there, there's more than one path. You know, there may be one thing that you're born to do, but I think there's more than one way to get there. Three things that you identify that you say we all want in our work are joy, money, and flow. Tell us about each of those and, and why they matter in not only picking your next job, but in, in, in finding that work overall in a career that we feel like we're born to do. So I, I saw that kind of regardless of what profession people went into and, and regardless of what working conditions were most optimal for them, most people are, are happiest when they can kind of create this intersection or convergence between these three qualities that you just named. And, and the first two are, are pretty self-explanatory. Joy essentially is happiness. It's something that, that you, you take joy in doing. You like your work. And I, and I think that's an important goal. Uh, money, also self-explanatory. Like I'm not, I'm not talking to people about a hobby. I'm talking to them about their career and your career has to be financially viable. So your work has to be something that you, that you love to do, or at least it should be. That's the goal. Um, it should be sustainable. It should be viable. And then the third quality was something that I, I had to learn a little bit more about myself. And that's this quality of flow, um, which, I, which I essentially think of as, as using your unique skills uh, or doing something that you're really good at. And it may be something that comes naturally to you, but it's actually really challenging for other people. It's the kind of work where you can get lost in it. You can have hours go by and you don't realize because you're so immersed in this, this particular work. Uh, when you find you know, all three of these qualities, and of course, it's a journey, it's a process, um, I think that is the goal. I think that's what, what we're essentially working toward in finding the work that we were born to do. And of course, at different times in our life, we have to make compromises. We might have to settle in some way. You know, uh, when, I was, when I was 16, I delivered pizza and that was fine. It was a job. I don't think it was the work I was born to do, you know, but it was like a, something that I did at the time, you know, to accomplish a goal. And we have to do that at different times in life. But if we're working towards something that if we are interested in self-development, if we do want to advance not just our career, but our life, we're going to kind of make decisions with that model in mind of joy, money, and flow. And let's talk about career development. You identify some skills that whatever occupation someone wants to pursue that we all need to have to get the work we want. What, what are those skills, Chris, and why do they matter? 
So when people think about skills, uh, most of the time they think about hard skills and um, what I call hard skills. And hard skills are technical skills. They're the skills that you learned uh, in your specific training, in your job or your degree. You know, if you're an engineer, it's, it's those engineering skills or those programming languages or whatever that is. And, and what I saw was that in career advancement, whether you're trying to get promoted, whether you're trying to, to find your dream job, create your dream job in an organization or go out on your own, um, what I call soft skills are actually just as important, if not more important. And so soft skills are basically areas related to communication, essentially communication, um, being able to facilitate a, a conversation or a meeting well, follow up and follow through, being that person in the room or in the meeting where there's lots of good ideas being discussed, but sometimes you can you can discuss good ideas and nothing happens. And so if you become that person who kind of makes things happen and everyone starts to, to look to you and everyone's like, oh, you know, Max should do this because he's going to follow up on it. That's a very, very valuable skill regardless of your profession. So this is not something that's really taught. You don't really you know, take a class on this in, in college, but it's something that's very valuable. And I think any, it's something that anyone can learn to improve and it will help them regardless of their specific career. Our listeners, and I, I imagine a lot of your readers, struggle with getting clear about what they're good at, what they offer an employer. How do you recommend people do that? Yeah, very good. I mean, it's, it's always a process. Um, you know, the, the example we just gave uh, like a moment ago, we we're talking about you're working in a group. And uh, so, sometimes the members of the group, sometimes other people around you, are actually you know, better at identifying your strength or your skills than you are yourself. And so if you're ever in one of these situations where kind of tasks are being divvied up and everyone kind of looks to you and say, oh, you know, so-and-so should do this task, it's almost like the group is affirming this skill or recognizing it for you. So that's one way. Uh, another way is simply just a, a trial and error and experimentation. Um, again, we put a lot of pressure on people to know, you know at a young age, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to develop myself and advance myself. You know, very often the initial decisions that we make are incorrect because we don't have all the information. Uh, so again, a key point is, you know, if it's not working, try something else. And then over time, you are going to kind of figure out, okay, this is actually what I enjoy. Um, you can ask yourself at the end of the day, looking back, okay, what what did I do today that gave me energy? Uh, what did I do that drained my energy? And just kind of focusing on that, like, you know, day to day, how can I do more of those things that, that I actually enjoy? Because the things that we enjoy tend to be the things that we're also good at. Many people are reluctant to chase a dream job or career because of risk. What are your suggestions, Chris, about how people can manage career risk? Well, I mean, risk is like this, this is a big thing. You know, it's like, what, what do we mean by risk? Um, I feel like risk is kind of a topic like fear. You know, people are like, how do you overcome your fear? Well, I mean, what, what sort of fear are we talking about? How does it affect our lives? And what are the you know, strategies that we can kind of navigate to help us with that? I think maybe that maybe the first thing is, you know, a question of defining risk and and saying, okay, you know, if I'm thinking of making a career change, um, is this really risky? You know, uh, maybe it's actually more risky for me to remain in my current position because the current position isn't good for me. Or even if it's, if it's good for me, like I need to somehow create more opportunities for myself because in this day and age, you know, I, I have to create my own security. You know, I wrote about this concept of uh, being the self-employed employee where essentially like you're working in a job, but the way you kind of view it is like, okay, I'm leasing out my talents you know, to this company or organization. I'm going to do a great job for them, of course, but I'm also going to continue to develop myself. I'm going to improve myself. And then that will allow me to, to go somewhere else or to be more valuable in my current position. When I think of risk, that's the very first thing I think of is let's, let's count the cost. Let's see what really is risky. And then maybe also as you make changes, your confidence tends to increase. 
you know, and I think this is true with any goal in life. It's not just a career thing. Like I had this project of going to every country in the world. I didn't have that project when I hadn't traveled anywhere. You know, I, I went to maybe 30 different countries. I lived in Africa for a while. And then I started thinking like, what could I do with this? And then I had a goal of going to a hundred countries. And as I got closer to that, I was like, well, let's, let's raise the stakes, you know, let's go to every country in the world. So as you, as you get better at making these kind of decisions and taking what you might call risks, then I think you, you become much more comfortable in taking more of them and raising the stakes even further. Good. Well, we're coming to the close of the interview. Chris, what else would you like to add for our listeners? So we talked about uh, joy, money, flow. And I just gave that example of, uh, you know, at the end of the day, maybe ask yourself, like, where did I get energy? Where did I, where was my energy drained? Um, this isn't meant to be like a woo-woo thing. This is meant to be very practical. This is meant to give you data that you can then base decisions on in the future. And here's a really simple thing that you can also do. At the end of the day, you get out a little notebook and you answer this question, did today matter? And you know the answer to that question. Like, if you think back, you're going to be able to say, okay, you know, actually, yeah, today was good. I made some progress, you know, toward a goal or an objective that I believe in. I invested in the relationships that I value, you know, whatever those, those matrix or those goals are, or you'll be able to say like, actually like today didn't, didn't, wasn't that great because I kind of got stuck in something. I got sucked in. I, I spent my whole day responding to things instead of creating things. So I want to do a better job. And so the whole goal is essentially in life, you know, let, let's get closer to more and more days that matter. And if we have days that, that aren't mattering, that we kind of look back and say, that wasn't good. You know, what can we change? Small and big ways. Well, terrific. And tell us, Chris, what's coming up next for you? Obviously, you have the book and I believe you're, you're starting. Tell us about the launch date and your book tour. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm really excited about the, the tour. So the book comes out April 5th. Uh, you may be listening to this, this later, in which case the book is out. And uh, I'm doing a 30-city tour across North America. Uh, people can find out about that at bornforthisbook.com. Uh, and then, of course, we've got World Domination Summit coming up in the summer. But, but at the moment, it's kind of all book all the time. Terrific. To learn more about Chris, visit his Twitter account and his blog, as well as the website about his book. And we'll be sure to include links to all of those sites in the show notes. Chris, thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mac. We're back with Ben and Jenna. So what do you two think? What were some of the most important points you heard Chris make? The biggest takeaway for me is that successful people don't have linear paths. And it's just like a good reminder for people who are thinking about changing their career or are unhappy in their current career. And they think that they're locked into this path and this, you know, American dream and how really big successful people all over the world have done 180s and pivots and made really awesome, successful life stories out of that. And so just to kind of think about that and meditate on it and make your own changes. Yeah, and and as Chris pointed out, that runs so counter to this narrative that exists out there. You know, think of all the kids in college who you have to go study X so that you can get out of college and get job Y, and then you get progress up the ladder to point Z at the end. And it really doesn't work that way. And I think about all the stress I put on myself or that other young people put on themselves to like figure out what they want at the age of 18 or at the age of 16 when you first meet with that college counselor who's trying to get you into the right school. It's a little bit crazy because people's careers don't play out in that linear way. The point I liked was was near the end and that very simple question of did today matter? You know, there are days with any job, even with this job, Mac, where some days I walk out of the office and I just, I don't feel good about things. Today didn't matter. I wasn't happy. And it's sometimes things that I've had control over and some things I didn't. 
but you know the goal is to get more aware of the things that you can control and try doing the things that do make you feel like today mattered. Fortunately, I think at this job, most days do feel like that. Well, good, and that's and that's good. And but I think that's just like an easy kind of check to ask yourself yeah. every day um, to make sure whether you're on the right path or not. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. And and something that stood out for me was acknowledging that you can learn from failure. And for me, I think I've talked about this before. I've worked on, I've lost count of how many losing political campaigns over uh, the years, but. From each of them, I learned something, and I got something from the experience, and uh, and I benefited from it, and so did my employers down the line. Well, thank you both, and thank you, our listeners. And if you like what you hear on the show, you can help us by leaving a review and rating at iTunes. This helps others discover the show and helps us serve you all better. We're also celebrating a big milestone this week. Over the weekend, we reached 50,000 downloads since we launched the show on October 17th. That's more than 10,000 downloads a month. And we continue to rank in the top 40 on the iTunes career chart. So thank you all, our listeners, and thank you for uh, letting your friends and colleagues know about the show because we know we've grown largely by word of mouth. I also want to share a, a review we've received on iTunes. It's from Nathan Cole Howard who writes... Find Your Dream Job is the go-to podcast for millennials in search of their first job or their next job. I've recommended it to entire departments at colleges in Oregon and to at least a dozen friends. Definitely subscribe if you're on the look. Thank you, Nathan, and thanks to the scores of other listeners who've left a review. Take a moment and leave your own comments and rating. Just go to www.maxlist.org iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next Wednesday with more tools and tips you can use to find your dream job. Mm-hmm.